a faithful God, do we not? Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to Acts chapter 6 with me again. And if you're able this morning, let's stand out of respect for the Word of God. Acts chapter number 6, we're going to continue our with our theme for the year, which is, what is our theme? Stand. I thought you, some of you would pick up on that, but some of you, I think, are still in a fog this morning. But we, we welcome you to our service and those that are joining us by way of live stream this morning. And uh, we continue our series here, and, and we were in Acts 6 last week. But I want you to read along with me again this morning, and we'll begin reading this morning in verse number 3. The Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, when you see this, before we have a word of prayer this morning, sometimes when you see lists in the Bible, and here in these verses, the, the mention of these men by name that were chosen, I want you to notice that it says before the first one, and the first one named is Stephen. But notice the Bible says they chose Stephen, then there's a comma, and then the Word of God says a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, comma, and Philip, and then it continues. Sometimes when you see list, instead of the Word of God continuing to repeat seven times the same words, what you see is it's indicative of all those that are listed after that. And so keep that in mind because I believe these were all men full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Everybody with me this morning? And so let's pray and ask God to bless his word. Lord, thank you again for this morning. And as we think about a servant chosen, Lord, we will look to the word of God this morning. And I pray that as we may focus on one individual this morning, may you help each of us here today to look into our own lives, our own hearts, and to ask ourselves, am I serving? Am I doing what I'm seeing this morning from the Word of God that this man did with his life? And Lord, I know that there is great joy when we serve Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. Now, last week, as we looked at this very same passage, we found out that there was, no doubt, there was a, a problem that was in the early church in the first century. The book of Acts, of course, Jesus has now gone back to be with the Father. And we find that the church was experiencing some good things, but along with that, there were some challenges. And so when we talk about some of the problems that they faced, last week we mentioned one which is a good problem to have, and that is multiplication, that the Lord was adding to the church people that were being saved, and then the adding was dispensed with and replaced with multiplication. And, of course, it's a wonderful thing when you see people getting saved, coming to Christ as their Savior. But not only was there the problem of multiplication, but remember that when you have people, you're going to have problems. And there were some that were being, as the Bible says, neglected. The widows were being neglected in the daily ministration. And because they felt that this was done intentionally, there was a murmuring that was going on. There were people that were complaining behind other people's backs because they felt like this was maybe something done racially or something done intentionally. And so you have the problems of multiplication. You have the problems of murmuring. And you also had the problem of ministry because as God gives an increase, then there is the need of more people to help to take care of that need. 
for instance, look, the foundation has already been laid, and the foundation, the Bible says, is that which is Jesus Christ. The foundation doesn't change. No matter how large the work may become, Jesus is the rock upon which our lives, our church, is built upon, right? Now, we consider, though, that as God gives the increase, that the, the base broadens a little bit, and so what we need to do is make sure that we are meeting the needs, and that's what they were addressing here in the early church. Now, the leadership at the time was the apostles, and the apostles, the work had been placed in their hands by the Lord Jesus Christ, and so they, they saw the problem, and they put that back to the church, and they said, you need to choose men that can serve in the church. These were men that were supposed to be biblically qualified. They were to be good men. The Bible says men of honest report. They were to be godly men, men that were, that were full of the Holy Spirit of God. They were to be gifted men that were filled with wisdom from God to do the right thing and to help people. And one of those seven that were described in Acts 6, his name was Philip. And we're going to we're going to focus in on Philip this morning. Now, you know, the Bible is an amazing book. I love to study it and read it and, and understand that sometimes in the Bible there are people that are mentioned that, that there is very little said about them. Sometimes there are individuals that are mentioned in the Word of God that there is much said about them. And then I find a few people where there is literally nothing to find about them in the Word of God. And so we, we cannot go beyond what the Scriptures teach, but today we're going to look at this one of the seven whose name was Philip, and we're going to take a look at his life, and, and he was a man like the other six that was appointed. He was dedicated to the task of distributing what sometimes is referred to as benevolence. In other words, maybe the daily portion of food or, or just, just helping any way that they could with the widows that were being described. And like the other six, I really believe that Philip was a man that was highly respected among the congregation. I think that he was one that they, they highly regarded, and no doubt they were all entrusted with this newly defined and very important responsibility, and that was to, as the Bible uses the word deacon, is to wait on tables or to serve the people. And so we, we talked about a lot of that last week. Now, launching off of that, I want you to look at Philip's life a little bit more. And if you have your Bible open this morning in Acts chapter number 8, we're going to look at probably what would be considered to be the fullest account of Philip's life and his ministry. In other words, how he was used of the Lord. And so when you begin in Acts chapter number 8, there's an individual that's mentioned in the first couple verses of chapter 8, and his name is Saul. Now, uh, do you remember Saul? His name was changed later to what? Paul. But at this time, Saul was a wicked man. He was an unsaved man. Now, he was very passionate about what he was doing, and what he was doing was he was going uh, all around the area looking for people like you and I that were believers in Christ, and the Bible says that he was taking them from their homes and he was casting them into prison. And many of them lost their life for the faith that you and I hold so dear today. As a matter of fact, verse 3 says that he was making havoc of the church. Now, the church is not a building, it's the people of God. Now, look what it says in verse number 4 of Acts 8. It says, therefore, because of all this that was going on with Saul, the persecution, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. Now, if you know your Bible, at this time when Saul was doing what he was doing, and the people went everywhere. Where was the leadership, the apostles, when the people went everywhere? Does anybody know? They were in Jerusalem. The apostles had not left. They were there in the city of Jerusalem. So when you look at verse number 4, it says, And they that were scattered abroad. Well, who's the they? Church members, Bible-believing Christians, people just like you and I, 
that, that loved God, that were thankful for the salvation that they had in Christ. And the Bible says because of the scattering of the persecution, the diaspora, they were scattered everywhere in the known world at that time. And listen, they didn't just, they weren't running for their lives. Everywhere they went, they preached the Word of God. Isn't that awesome? By the way, nothing has changed. Do you know that as a believer today, that's what God wants you to do? God wants you to preach the Word. You say, well, God hasn't called me to preach. Listen, to preach the Word is to declare the truth of the Word of God. Do you have a friend, a family member, a co-worker that doesn't know Christ? God wants you to preach the Word to them. Now, listen, you don't have to get preachy with them, but God wants you to tell them the truth. Why? Because ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall... There you go. See, listen, you want, you want your friend to be a better friend? Then listen, lead them to Christ. So these people, these believers in Christ, the Bible says they went everywhere preaching the Word of God. Now, that brings us to Philip, because remember, Philip was in the church of Jerusalem, and he was appointed to help with the need that was there. But because of the persecution, they were scattered from Jerusalem. And look at verse number 5. Then Philip went down to the city of what? Come on, talk to me. City of what? Samaria. Anybody, anybody remember the, the, the city of Samaria? If, remember when Jesus was with his disciples one day? And Jesus was walking along, and, and his disciples, you know, being good Baptists, they wanted to go get a casserole, right? They wanted to go get some McDonald's, and they decided, hey, look, we need to go in town and get something to eat. And Jesus said, I must needs go through where? Samaria. And so his disciples, isn't it amazing? They, they, they were led by their belly, you know? They always say that if a woman wants to have a man, she can find a way to his heart through his stomach, right? And so here's the thing is, the disciples, they all leave, and guess what? They leave Jesus all by himself, and he found himself to a well that was Jacob's well near Sychar, and he sits down on that well, and he sat there and waited for one person. Anybody remember who it was? It was a woman, right? A woman that had had how many husbands? five husbands, and she was living with a man that wasn't even her husband. And so Jesus goes, sits down on this well, and here comes this woman, and what a great, what a great opportunity. Jesus takes the time that says, listen, I got a drink of water that if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. You'll never have to draw water from that well for your spiritual need. Now, you might have to for your physical need. And so this woman says, you have nothing to draw with. And Jesus told that woman that day, I am the Messiah. Now, remember, the woman left her water pot. She ran back into the city. She told everyone, listen, she didn't care about her reputation. She told everybody about this one that told her all things that ever she was. And she says, you got to come see him. And the Bible, you know, again, I love to read the Word of God. All the men of the city came out to meet Jesus. And the Bible says they didn't come because of the testimony of the woman. Oh, yes, they did. They would have never known that Jesus was there had the, had the woman not gone into town and said, hey, listen, you need to come see a man. And so the, all the men come. Well, listen, you know what happened? All these people in Samaria got saved. And listen, years later, what, what we find is Jesus now, he is with the Father. He has ascended after he went to the cross for us. And now the early church, one of those individuals is Philip. They're scattered abroad. They're preaching the word of God everywhere they go. And notice here that the Bible says Philip goes down to the city of Samaria. He went to where the seeds were planted long before he got there by Jesus himself. And when Philip got to Samaria, notice what it says at the end of verse number 5. What did he do? He, he preached what? He preached Christ to them. Hey, listen, he got there and he began to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 6, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now listen, don't understand the Word of God. The Bible tells us we must rightly divide the Word of truth. Philip was the one that God was using, but listen, that Philip had no power in and of himself. Philip could not heal people. 
Philip could not uh, cure somebody. It was the power of God. Just like in Peter's life, just like in John's life, God's power. And by the way, that power of God that Philip had that day is still available to us today. We may not have the power to heal somebody, but I'll tell you this, we have the power to accomplish the work of God in our day. And the Bible says here that Philip was there and the people heard and they saw the miracles which he did. Look at verse 7. Here's some of them. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And verse 8, and there was great what? Great joy. You know why? Because there was a revival going on. People were getting saved. Lives were being changed by the power of God. Listen, you know, praise God, yesterday about seven of us went out into the community. We've had more, but we had a a choir uh, practice yesterday. We're already ramping up, gearing up uh, for Easter services. Hey, listen, you say it's a long time from Easter. Well, listen, there's no moss should grow on on a stone. We need to prepare now if we want to see a harvest, that God do a great work. And, And so seven of us went out in the community yesterday, and as we went out, We had another lady yesterday put her faith in Christ as her Savior. Over the last two, two and a half weeks, we've had, uh, I think it's six people that have put their faith in Christ. Hey, listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Savior, if this was your last day on this earth, are you 100% sure that heaven would be your home? Listen, if you're not sure about that, no one is guaranteed of it tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so here's Philip, he goes into Samaria, and he's, he's preaching Christ. He's telling them about how Jesus loves them, and how Jesus died for them. And if they were to put their faith, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so people start getting saved. Hey, listen, life is good. Philip's enjoying this. But then notice what happens. Here he is. Philip is doing the work of God, but right in the middle of a revival, God moves him. God God says, look, Philip, I have something else for you. And if you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn with me in this chapter, maybe just go down a few verses, to verse number 26. And I want to look at some ways this morning that a a servant chooses to serve. Now, see, this morning, you may never serve as a deacon. You may never hold that biblical office as a deacon. But I'll tell you this morning, if you are here this morning and you know Christ is your Savior, God, God saved you, and He's left you here for one reason, and that is to serve Him. Every Christian should serve God with their life. And that's all, listen, that's all Philip was doing was serving the Lord. Well, how did he do that? Notice, first of all, as a servant, he positioned himself. He positioned himself. Look in Acts 8, verse 26. And the Bible says, by the way, let's back up to verse 25. It says, and they, when they had testified, and notice, preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, and they preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now, do you remember who those Samaritans were? They were half-breed Jews. Listen, the Bible tells us that the gospel, the good news, went forth to the Jews first, but then eventually in the book of Acts, we see it going to the Samaritans, and then eventually we'll see it go to the Gentiles. Aren't you glad that the good news came to the Gentile nations, which we're a part of, right? And all God's people said amen on that one, right? Now, look at what it says in verse 26. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is what? It's what? It's desert. Now, notice here that as a servant, what did he do? Philip positioned himself. He sensed the Spirit's leading. He was a servant that was listening to a messenger. Now, the messenger in this case, the Bible identifies, was an angel of God. Exodus 23, 20 in your notes. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. What Philip did 
and I think all of us should do the same thing, is Philip made himself available to the Lord, just like he did when he was in Samaria before this. Uh, Philip was available. Now, it reminded me of where in the Old Testament, remember how Hannah didn't have a son, and how Hannah had prayed that God would give her a son, and when God finally did, Remember what she did. She says, I'm going to give him back to the Lord. I'm going to lend him back. And that's what my wife and I, we dedicated our children after they were born. We said, God, you gave us these children. Children are in heritage of the Lord. And what we did was we dedicated our children. And we said, God, we're going to raise them for you. They are yours. And so, again, this is something that we, from time to time here, we have people that have children. They might be newborns. They might even be a little bit older who have said, listen, I've never done that, but I would like to do that. Where do we get that from? From the Bible. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel that Hannah did that. She took her son, and he began serving the Lord with Eli the priest. Now, Eli, like me and Brother Flynn, he was getting old. And he, he was struggling with, with his eyesight, and he was struggling with his hearing and all these types of things. And so it came time to go to bed, and so he, Samuel goes, and he lays down, and he hears something. And he thinks that it's Eli calling him. Maybe he wants a blanket. Maybe he So he gets up, and he goes in, and he, he asks Eli, you know, what is it that you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you, you know, go lay down, kid. And, and so he, Samuel leaves, and then he, he, it happens again, and then he comes another time, and Eli realizes, you know, it may be that the Lord is calling Samuel. And so he, he says, look, when you go and lay down, if you hear, he says, answer. By the way, that's a good thing to do. And so the Bible says, look in your notes there, 1 Samuel 3.10, the Lord came, and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel. Samuel. As a kid growing up, when your parents called your name, they wanted your attention. But when they called your name twice, they really wanted your attention. Now, if they used your first and middle name, it was not going to be good. But, but he hears, and, and listen, do you know that God knows your name today? You know, your name, if you're saved, is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? Uh, Jesus said, I know my sheep. You know, I call them by name. And so here's what we find is Samuel is laying there. He hears Samuel, Samuel, and then Samuel answered, speak for thy servant, hear it. Notice how he identifies himself. I'm the servant of the Lord. I'm here to serve. That's what, that's what Philip and the other six that were chosen in Acts chapter 6, they were chosen to serve. Listen, every one of us that are saved, God has saved us and he's chosen us to serve him. Philip was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in his life. He was so sensitive that he was willing to go to the desert. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but the desert is a pretty barren place. You know, uh, my pastor's been pastoring out in the Mojave Desert, where there's scorpions, for 37 years. God sent him out there to the desert, and listen, I'm going to tell you something. What God has done through that ministry is simply amazing, because God can do anything. And my pastor always says this, God does his best work in the desert. Listen, God can use us anytime, any place, anywhere. And notice here that he, as a servant, positioned himself. But secondly, as a servant, he perceived some things. And one of the greatest things that he perceived or he sensed was the presence of God. Notice verse 27. The Bible says that after he was told to arise and go to the south unto Gaza, which is the desert, notice what he did. He arose and went. I don't see in the Bible where Philip says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to the desert. I mean, do you have a better place? I mean, maybe a place that, you know, there's, there's grass, maybe a place where there's no wind, a place where there's no snow, you know. I mean, he, he, look, the Bible says he arose 
and he went. The Bible tells us the, the Holy Spirit of God whispered in his heart that he needed to go, and he got up and went. His heart was ready to hear, and his heart was ready to listen to the messenger, and he promptly obeyed the Lord's command. I love like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 60, look at this verse, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Now, I really believe that Philip probably didn't understand the why, but he went. He just did what God told him to do. Kind of reminds me of the testimony of Mary in the Bible where Mary said, Be it unto me according to thy word. Here am I, Lord, send me. That's the way Philip was. As a servant, he was one that positioned himself. He was one that perceived the presence of God that, that was there. Notice, as a servant, he prepared himself. Look what the Bible says in verse 27 again. He arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem, notice, for to worship. Verse 28. He was returning, so he had been there. The Bible doesn't tell us everything that transpired while he was there, but here's what it does tell us. He was returning, and he was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet, or Isaiah the prophet. Now, as we look at this, we find here that this man identified was an Ethiopian man. He was the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. The Bible says all that she had was placed into his care and keeping. He was a very important, powerful man and had a great position in their government, probably, and I don't think this is stretching the truth, he was probably a God-fearing man. Now, I probably would use a little letter G for God, but he was a God-fearing man. He was a Gentile that maybe like many in the, that day probably worshipped the Israel's God, but he had not yet fully come to trust the Lord as his Savior. But he was one thing we do know. He was a seeker. The Bible says he came to Jerusalem. Some of you may be here today and you may be seeking the Lord. And by the way, the Bible tells us that if you seek him, he will be found. God's not playing hide-and-go-seek. He wants you to find Him. And He has made Himself available through His Word, by His Spirit, through uh, circumstances in life. God wants to be known. And, and we find this man was a humble man that had come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord. And what's neat about this is that Philip was a man that was prepared. Now, I really believe that preparation always precedes blessing. That's why the choir has already started working on our Easter musical because we want to be fully prepared. Now, we understand, listen, all we can do is our part. The rest of it is up to the Lord. And God can do far more than we can do. And God can use us in a greater way than we can ever imagine that God could use us. But Philip had prepared himself not realizing that the day was going to come when he was going to get an opportunity to, to spend time with this man. Now, what made it unique was this. The preparation of Philip was coupled with the perfect timing of God. You see, this was the time that God had sent Philip to join himself. They just happened to cross paths. When the man had been in Jerusalem, the man had maybe heard the word of God. The man somehow got his hands on a portion of the word of God, and he was reading it. God had been taking the hammer of his word, and he had been breaking the stony heart into pieces, and this man was sitting there, and he had a copy of the word of God. Now, as Philip comes to this man... There were some things that he had to overcome, and that was he had to overcome the cultural and racial prejudice that the Jews had towards Gentiles 
and even people of this man's stature, which was known as a eunuch. Now, look what the Bible says, and this helps us out here in Acts chapter number 10. The Bible says, then in Peter's day, he opened his mouth and he said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The Bible says God so loved the world. God didn't die for the white man or for the black man or for the purple man. God loves everyone. He is not a respecter of persons. And so when Philip looked at this man, you know what he did? He looked at this man that, yes, culturally, racially was different than he was. He looked beyond that. He looked through the eyes of Jesus, and he saw this man for who he was, and that was he was a sinner. And the Bible tells us, look at this, in Romans 5 and verse number 12, talking about the first man that God ever created, whose name was Adam, the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. If you're here this morning, listen, we are all born with a sinful nature. And if we do not accept Christ before we step out of this life into eternal life, we will be uh, separated from God for all of eternity. That's why it's so important that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ while there is still time. And so Philip was a man that positioned himself as a servant. As a servant, he perceived the, the presence of God in his life, and he had prepared himself. But watch this. What did he, he prepare himself to do? Notice, as a servant, he proved some things to this man. Now, look in chapter 8 again. Look at verse 29. Here he is with the man. The man sitting in his chariot, the spirit, the spirit says to Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, he was, a, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Now, Philip had gone to this man, and as he gets to this man, he begins to witness to him, to prove from the scriptures. He follows the Spirit's leading. He comes to this man sitting in his chariot. And I love how the Bible says that he ran. Philip, verse 30, ran thither to him. It reminds me of Psalm 119, verse 32 in your notes. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. He gets to this man that's in the chariot. And the man is reading from the scriptures. Now, here's the neat part is, Philip hears what he's reading. And Philip knows exactly what he's reading about. You know what that means? Philip knew his Bible. How important is it for us every day to be in God's Word? Every day. People say, well, listen, there's so much there. How can you know God by reading His Word? How can you get more familiar with the Word of God by immersing yourself in it every day? Listen, I don't know all of it. I'm far from knowing all of God's Word. And every day, God, by His Spirit, guides me and teaches me and helps me to understand some things just like this man here. Listen, you and I, we are spoiled. We have... Right now, if you're holding, hold it up if you have a copy of God's Word. Hold, raise it up. Raise it up like you're proud of it, all right? Now, look at You know what you're holding in your hand? You have all 66 books. You have the entire Word of God, the canon of Scriptures. This man didn't have the entire Word of God. He just had a portion of Isaiah, 
And listen, as Philip hears this man reading, look, Philip had to know his Bible because you and I, if I were to say to you this morning, turn to the book of Isaiah, you would, you would start to look at the big words at the top of all your pages until you got to the one. Some of you might go to the front of your, your Bible where it's got the list of all the books and you might say, okay, there it is right there after this book, before this book. Some of you might have those little cheater things on the sides of your, those little tabs, you know. Some of you might, some, listen, we, we get to the place where we become more familiar. I remember the first time somebody told me to turn to the book of Job, and I, I flipped and I eventually found it, and I was like, is this it? Because it says Job. You know, I mean, I, I just didn't know the Bible. I wasn't familiar with it. But when Philip heard this man reading, you turn, in your, if I say turn to Isaiah 53, you're going to turn in your Bible till you get to where it says the number 53 or chapter 53. If I say to you, turn to verse number 7 of Isaiah 53, you're going to go to chapter 53 and go down 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. You know what? Philip didn't have any of that. All that's there to help us to navigate in the Word of God. He knew his Bible. As a matter of fact, the Scriptures in his day didn't read from left to right. They read from right to left. He knew his Bible, folks. And the Bible says that he joined himself to this man, and the, the eunuch invited him in verse 31 to come and sit down with him. You know what I love about that is? Is that God had opened the door. God had opened this man's heart. God had prepared this man, and Philip stepped into this opportunity. He, he Look, God gave him, uh, somebody had planted the seed, and somebody had watered the seed, and God allowed him to just come into the labors there, and he took the opportunity to... The Spirit gave him to share the good news with this man. And here's what he asked him. Do you understand what you're reading? That's what he asked him. It's a pretty fair question. Now, look, there's been times in my life where I've misunderstood something in the Bible. There's been times where people have talked to me about things and they have misunderstood. And by the way, when that happens, we need to be kind with them. We need to just like Philip did with this eunuch and help him to understand. And look here, Philip didn't help him to understand his opinion. Philip helped him understand what thus saith the Lord. See, there's there's a difference. It's not what we think, it's what he thinks. And Philip asked him, he said, do you understand what you're reading? And so Philip took this opportunity to prove what the scriptures were saying, what? That the Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, was presenting Jesus Christ as the suffering servant who would take away the sins of the world. Did you hear what Jesus was? A suffering servant. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, Jesus said himself. And then, and then Isaiah said this, Who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. Now, the word there, and you find this, I think Daniel also, and you find it in the gospel records, the cutting off is a reference to the cross. When Jesus was cut off from the land of the living. And the Bible talks about, Isaiah says, Who's going to declare uh, his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of living. Now, here's what Jesus said when he came. Notice what the Bible says in John 12, 32. He says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. You know what that refers back to? Remember in the Old Testament, the brazen serpent? And how that it was on a pole, and when they lifted it up, if they looked to what was on the pole, they would live. Now, the sad thing was they started worshiping the brazen thing on the pole instead of the God that would save them from their sins. And Jesus said, look, if you, you know what we're trying to do here at Bible Baptist Church week in and week out? Lift up Christ. You know what Philip did everywhere he went? He preached Christ. You know what you and I as servants, just like Philip ought to do, tell people about Jesus? Are you getting it this morning? See, as a servant, he proved, he witnessed to this man, he pointed this man to Jesus. Well, how did he do that? Through the Word of God. He used the Scriptures 
And you say, well, why should we do that? Well, the Bible's clear in Acts chapter uh, 1 and verse number 8 that we're supposed to be witnesses unto the Lord. But, you know, even back in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet said, look at it, chapter 43, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there is no God formed, neither shall there be any after me. I, even I, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. So, look, here's Philip. Philip is scattered with everybody else. He's in Samaria. He's preaching. People are getting saved because they're hearing about Jesus. God redirects him to this one person, just like Jesus with the woman at the well. He comes to this one and he positions himself. He perceives the presence of God in his life. He's prepared to share Christ with this individual. He begins to witness and prove to this man. Now watch this, because the Bible then gives us another word here. Not only did he witness to this man, but look at verse 35. The Bible says, then Philip, after after witnessing, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and what did he do? He preached. Here he is. He, he begins to preach to this man. This wasn't the first time that Philip had opened his mouth to preach the word of God. If you're there in Acts chapter 8, look at verse number 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Look, Philip had preached before in Samaria. And look, when we preach Christ, the Bible tells us that people hear, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I love what Spurgeon said, the preaching of Christ is the whip that flogs the devil. The preaching of Christ is the thunderbolt, the sound of which makes all hell shake. I love that because, listen, what we need today is not some person to sit on a stool and give a little casual talk. We need the preaching of the Word of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.21, after that in the wisdom of, of God, of the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Spurgeon said, whatever subject I preach, I do not stop until I reach the Savior, the Lord Jesus, for in Him are all things. We need to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. People need to hear about the love of God. Paul told young Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And that's exactly what Philip did with this eunuch, this man that was highly in his government, that was seeking something that he did not necessarily know. And Jesus, Philip said, look, I want to tell you about the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the whole world, which included that man's sin. Now what happened next is pretty amazing because the man heard. You know, he's reading and he says, I, I'm, I'm struggling to understand this and unless some man would come and help me to understand this and Philip begins to preach to him Jesus. Now notice what happens in verse 36. And as they went on their way, now apparently that when Philip joined himself with this man, the chariot may have been standing still. Maybe they were sitting there having this discussion, but nonetheless, the Bible indicates now that they're moving, they're traveling, they're making their journey. And it says, as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now notice what happens is, after he preached to this man, then notice what he then does as a servant, he pleads with the man. Now this man was traveling, he was heading back home, and you need to understand, if you look at a map, of course it's a little difficult uh, to fully get the picture, but... The Bible talks about they were in the desert. It was barren. Gaza was the last watering place, the last place that you would see any water on the road from Jerusalem to Egypt. 
Now, this man had had this conversation with Philip. He was, he was reading part of Isaiah, and here's what he's thinking, because this is what he's been told. Just like many in the world today, he was thinking that religion was telling him that he needed to get baptized to go to heaven. That's what he was thinking. Hey, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? I'm going to tell you this morning, according to the authority of the Scriptures, this man didn't need to be baptized. This man needed a good dose of salvation is what he needed. He needed the Lord Jesus Christ. See, so many today want to trust in what they can do, but yet Jesus said that if you believe on Him, you'll have eternal life, everlasting life. It's amazing when you look at many of the new versions of the Bible, and there are many out there that, that, that just continue. Why? Because the Bible still is the best-selling book of all times. And so what people are doing is they're merchandising it. What's amazing about a lot of the newer modern Bible versions today is verse 37 in Acts 8 is not in the new versions. Now this verse is key to this passage, and it's key to a person going to heaven or hell. Because when you look at it again, Philip says, the guy says, hey, here's water. Philip says, if thou believest. He didn't say, if you put on your swimming suit, put on your goggles. Philip says, look here, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered, this is the eunuch. And here's what he said. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said the same thing that that centurion at the foot of the cross said, truly this was the Son of God. And so Philip says, look, you're mistaken. If you go into that water, he says to the eunuch, the only thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to get wet. He says it's not going to do anything for you for eternity. Philip says, but if thou believest, Look, we have to understand that two of the most precious words that you will ever hear someone say is, I believe. You know, look what the Bible says in Luke 23. Jesus, he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Do you remember the story? Jesus is hanging there, not because of anything he did, but because of the sin of the world. His own father, God, turned his back on him because of the sin. And, and listen, here's two thieves hanging next to him, and the one thief says to him, Lord, remember me. And Jesus didn't say to the guy, well, listen, that's all good and well, but you need to find a watering hole so that we can baptize you, and then you will be with me in paradise. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, because you put your faith in me, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, when you look at that, here's, listen, I hope you're saved this morning. I really do. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're not, the devil doesn't want you to be saved. The devil hates it when people get saved. It's amazing a lot of times when, when it comes time during services, certain verses, invitations, people's phones will ring. Babies will start crying. People will get up and walk out. You know what all that is? It's distraction. It's the devil trying to keep people from being saved. Say, listen, the Bible talks about this. Look at in your, in your notes there, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In whom the God, notice the little letter G, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now, why would he do that? Here it is. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil puts blinders on people. He doesn't want, look, I know what I'm talking about. For three years, I sat in a church just like this. 
for three years, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I heard three messages a week for three years. And yet that's how long it took for me to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And here's this man. His heart had been opened. God had given Philip the opportunity to talk to him. And the guy says, well, here's water. And Philip says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the man says, I believe. He was pleading with this man. He was trying to help the man understand that what he had been seeking, he had found not in a baptistry, he had found in the person of Jesus Christ. And now, because he had put his faith in Christ, now, according to the Scriptures, he was a proper candidate for scriptural baptism. You, you find this in the Word of God in Acts 2 and verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word. That means people that were, they were saved. Faith cometh by hearing. And the Bible says they that received his word were baptized. The word baptism or baptized, it literally means immersed. It means to plunge, to dip, to, to cover. The Bible tells us that, that as we think about baptism, what is it? It's a beautiful picture of the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every time somebody goes through that baptismal pool behind me, that's what it is. It is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people are, I know people today, and I've had to have these discussions. People are very cynical because they'll say, well, the Bible says right here in Acts 8 that Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and they both came up out of the water, but it never says that they went under the water. And I get it. A lot of times people want to say, well, what about that? Well, look what the Bible says here, because again, if I'm going to prove something, if I'm going to show them something, if I'm going to plead with them like Philip was going to do, here's a couple great verses for you, and I want you to note them in Romans 6 and verse number 3. Paul writes to those in Rome, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are, look at these three words, buried with him. You don't bury something above the ground. You put it in the ground, under the ground. The Bible says we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Look, that's what we say many times as we see somebody go under the water and come up out of the water, is buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And listen, that's what he did with this man. He pleaded with this man. Look, it's not about the baptism. It's about salvation in Jesus Christ. And we find here that the Bible tells us that the man believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing when you see people saved. Now listen, is that the end of the story? Well, certainly for Philip it's not. And I have to believe that if we knew, God doesn't give us a whole lot. Many believe that this man eventually went back to Ethiopia. Many believe that there was a church that was started there in Ethiopia. Many believe that there were many believers in the days to come. You know what's exciting is our church today supports a missionary in Ethiopia. He's there right now leading people to Christ. We continue the work that Jesus started at the well, that, that uh, Philip went into Samaria later. And again, we have the opportunity to be a part of that. But notice what it says here in Acts 8 and verse 39. The Bible says, And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way. What's that word? What's that word? Yeah, remember when you got saved? You know, remember like Acts 3, when they helped the man up? Yes, physically he was healed, but he, he also put his faith in Christ, and the man was walking and leaping and praising God. Hey, listen, when you get saved, you got something to rejoice about. And the Bible says here that the guy was rejoicing. Now look at verse 40. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, what did he do? He preached. In all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So as a servant, after he saw this man saved and baptized, notice, notice the next thing is he proceeded. 
the Spirit, the Bible says, caught him away. Now, the word there means to actually carry off by force. This wasn't a bad thing, a negative thing. It was actually a good thing because just like we saw that Philip was in the church in Jerusalem and then we saw that he was in Samaria and then we saw that he was at the desert and then we saw that he was at a Zotus. The Bible then says that he preached in all the cities. That's why the Spirit caught him away. And the amazing thing is I looked up that, that city of Zotus. You know what it was? It was a city of the Philistines. I mean, now God's sending him to those that are the enemies of God. And the Bible says he continued to preach Jesus in all the cities until he had come to Caesarea. Now, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 5, look at this. Daily in the temple, here's the believers, and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So what are you and I supposed to do every day, everywhere we go, tell people about the Lord? Now, Philip was, no doubt, he was a good man. The Bible says back in Acts 6, he was a man of honest report. No doubt, he was a godly man. He was full of the Holy Ghost. And there's no doubt he was a gifted man because he, he, he used the wisdom that he had to obey the Lord's leading in his life but can I tell you that God used Philip for so much more than waiting on tables? As a matter of fact, take your Bible and turn with me over to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Now, I told you earlier that Acts chapter 8 was the fullest account of Philip's life and ministry. Many believe when you turn into Acts 21, many believe that it's about 20 years later. And remember, Philip preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Now, when you come to Acts chapter number 21, if you know Paul, who used to be Saul, Paul was led of the Lord to go to many cities and preach, and many were saved. We oftentimes refer to that as Paul's missionary journeys. And we come here to Acts 21, and I want you to look at verse number 7, and the Bible says, and when... We had finished our course, um, no, verse 8. The next day, we that were of Paul's company departed. Now, let me just stop here and say the we, okay? Of course, we know that Paul is in this group, Paul's company. There are other people. One of those we know for sure is the writer of the book of Acts, which is Dr. Luke. So here's these individuals that are traveling with Paul, and I want you to see this. Look at verse number 8. It says, we that were of Paul's company departed, came unto, notice the city, Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, there he is, which was one of the seven. So if that wasn't him, and we know it is because that's, he was one chosen in Acts 6, one of the seven. And the Bible says, and we abode with him. We, we lodged there. We stayed with him. Now look at verse 9. And the same man had four daughters. He must have been a good man. Four daughters. Now the Bible says that his daughters were virgins. And it says that they did prophesy. Now again, we want to understand the scriptures. Because when we look at this, we find that Paul was traveling on his journey, on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. He stops here in the city of Caesarea, and we see Philip as a servant. He pointed. Now, what did he point? Well, he pointed not only a eunuch to Jesus, but he pointed his children and his family in the ways of God. Because the Bible says here that he had these daughters, and the word that's used there is prophesying. Here's what it means, that they were spreading the truth of the Word of God. When I was in California, I had a friend, he's now in the state of Michigan, but he was uh, the academic dean of the Bible college out there in California. And he was a better man than me because he didn't have four daughters, he had five. And his, uh, 
He was, he was the one that taught what we call the Bible doctrine classes in the college. Now, I taught some of them. But what was funny was there was, there was kind of this, I don't know if it was a joke, it was a true story, though, about his daughters would probably never find a husband because his daughters could almost out-preach most of the, Bible, the guys in the Bible college because their daddy taught Bible doctrine. Well, here's Philip. He has four daughters. Now, the word virgin there, I think, is indicative of the fact that they were pure. And the Bible says that they were telling people that they came into contact with about Jesus. Wouldn't that be something if your children would tell their friends at school about Jesus? I love this, how he pointed his family, his own daughters, were, now look, I get it. The Bible does teach that women cannot, scripturally, hold the office of a pastor or a deacon, and that is clear in the Word of God. Now, there are some religions, by the way, those are man-made religions, that skirt around that, and you have to understand that the only way they can do that is to change God's Word in order for a woman to hold those offices that the Bible clearly teaches that they can't. But yet the scriptures do teach that there are gifted women, godly women, that can teach God's word and can teach the will of God to other people. I, when I was reading this, I was thinking of Miss Caitlin back here on Wednesday nights in the room behind us and how she, she is gifted. She is filled with the Spirit of God and she studies the Word of God and she teaches our ladies that come to that ladies' class, uh, how they can know God's will for their life. I was thinking about uh, this, uh, this last uh, Monday night, and of course it'll happen again this Tuesday, the Wisdom for Women uh, Ladies Bible Study. And ladies, if you didn't come, join them this week on Tuesday night, not Monday, and, and how that Miss Becky was used by God. And I heard that so many ladies were blessed because of the teaching that she had. And I mean, Miss Becky just reared back and preached while she was there on that last Monday night. And I think about Miss Claudia, who teaches uh, the little children on Wednesday nights uh, here. And I think about uh, Liliana Deneau that teaches our children back there in the back. Hey, listen, they're, they're just like Philip's daughters, there, there are, the Bible says aged women can teach younger women valuable biblical principles. You know what it sounds to me like? It sounds to me like their daddy's witness for the Lord somehow affected them and they too were telling other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the amazing thing is, is that Philip was never called the pastor at church and he was never called to preach. As a matter of fact, you know what he was? He was a member of a church. The Bible says he was, in verse 8 here, Philip the Evangelist. And look what the Bible says in Matthew 10. Whosoever therefore shall confess me, talking about Jesus, before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Hey, I really believe that Philip was not denying the Lord. Philip was preaching Christ. He was telling people about the Lord. And I think that it is without a doubt that many, many years ago when Philip, when he stepped out of this life into eternal life, and he stepped into the presence of God, I really believe that he heard these words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Will that be said of you from the mouth of God someday? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Listen, God's given us some tremendous things to think about this morning. Do you sense God's leading, God's presence in your life? When's the last time you took the opportunity you know, God gives us opportunities. He places people in our paths that need him. Do we do what Philip did and open our mouths and preach unto them Jesus? Do we tell them that God loves them, that Christ died for them, that they can have a home in heaven someday?
When people say, well, listen, well, this is what I think, do we plead with them about what the Scriptures really say? And when we have those opportunities, and it's wonderful to have them, do we just continue to go to the next person and the next person? Do you know that there are more people out there today that do not know Christ and they're waiting for you? You know what they're waiting for? A servant. Will you serve God like Philip did, like David did in his generation? Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The piano is playing. This is called an invitation. If you need to be saved, if you've never put your faith in Christ, let me invite you. Would you, right now, would you step out? Just step out in the aisle and come to the front, and we'll have a lady with a lady or a man with a man. Take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that heaven will be your home. Don't put it off. If you're like I was 37 years ago, and God is tugging at your heart right now, and you know that if you were to die in your sin, you would not spend eternity with the Lord. If that's you this morning, why don't you come? Don't delay. Don't put it off. But if you are saved, maybe God has spoken to you about serving Him, serving Him in a greater way. There are people like this eunuch, like the woman at the well. As the piano plays, why don't you step out, Christian believer? Why don't you come and ask the Lord to help you to serve him in a greater way? As Brother Kenny leads us, you come. The invitation's open. Are you doing your very best for him?